Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Who's excited to be in church? Well, good. You might as well be excited because you're here and uh, might as well make it uh, fun, right? Uh, Last week we had a ton of fun. We celebrated 10 years as Canvas Church. That's kind of weak, but uh, 10 years as Canvas Church. But I was telling my wife, hey, I think we might need to change some things around because last week was such a big party, and then this week was um, the time change. <laughs> and uh, and uh, how many of you guys are feeling the time change? Anybody feeling the time? You can be honest. It's a good place. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are tuning in online right now because they, they felt the time change. I don't, I, know, I'm, I don't really sleep in much. I'm usually an early riser, but I'm feeling it today. Like I'm feeling the time when that alarm clock went off. I was like, get behind me, Satan. Um, but, uh, we, man, we partied last week. We had so much fun. And, uh, my, uh, one, my pastor was in town from South Carolina, Tony and Cheryl. And if you missed last week, that message, I'm telling you right now, you got to go listen to that message, the truth about dreams. It was phenomenal and guarantee it'll minister to you. Um, but, uh, man, lots of great things happening here at Canvas Church. And, uh, once everybody's body adjusts to the time change, we'll, uh, they'll jump in on them. One of them is a big one coming up. We have Easter like just in a couple weeks. And uh, man, we love celebrating all that Christ has done. And man, what a great day to celebrate. But the weekend before, um, we are actually doing an Easter dinner. We did it for the very first time ever last year. And it was a huge success with over 100 people showing up. And uh, this is what the Easter dinner is all about. Uh, the Easter dinner is all about two things, really. One, um, those that don't have family uh, or maybe families out of town, they can't celebrate with them, that you can come and you can celebrate there with us um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and a dinner together. Um, and so if that's you and you want to be a part of it, that's coming up the Saturday before Easter. going to be an awesome time. Uh, but the other big focus is really outreach. And we're reaching out into our community to help the less fortunate, to celebrate. And, uh, and here's the deal. We need your help in doing that. And so I don't know, Pastor Tony, you can stand. Uh, uh, Pastor Anthony, where are you at? Pastor Anthony, look at that light. So there he is right there. Um, Pastor Anthony, turn around and say hi to Pastor. Everybody wave at Pastor Anthony. There he is. Uh, Pastor Anthony's right there. And, um, and uh, he is going to be in the lobby. And if you want to be a part of this outreach, we'd encourage you to do so. Go see him. Um, there's all sorts of opportunities from just showing up the day of, helping set up, uh, sitting with people that you don't even know. How many of you guys are intimidated by that? Like, Okay, but there's some of you that you love that. It's like, put me around somebody I don't know, and they'll be my best friend by the time we're done eating, right? And, uh, and so if that's you and you want to be a part of that and sit with some people and get to know some people, invite them back for Easter. Also, we need help preparing meals and things like that. And so see Pastor Anthony after uh, the service uh, to be a part of that. Uh, but we're in, the, and we're in a series, and we've been in it actually, I think, from the first Sunday of the new year entitled Truth. And uh, we've been looking uh, in the scriptures, the truth about some different things. If you like taking notes, we got some ushers coming with some paper ones. You can also get the digital ones by downloading our app. Um, but we've been looking at some, some big doctrinal ones. Like we looked at the, doc, what, you know, the truth about sin. What does the Bible say about sin? How does sin infiltrate our lives? How do we conquer sin? Uh, we've also looked at some uh, ones that play out day to day. A couple weeks ago, uh, my wife preached on the truth about relationships. Great message there. Um, and uh, you should go back and listen to that one. And uh, I, I just realized as I'm standing here, it's been almost a month since I've preached. Which is really scary actually. Uh, because you're in the second service, which means it ends whenever it ends. I mean, if you, if you want to get out on time, come to the first service, but 
uh, you're brave coming to the second service when your pastor hasn't preached in almost a month. Um, and so we've been looking at the truth about, about different things. One of the ones we looked at was the truth about conflict. Has anybody ever experienced conflict in their lives? Not that many of you because you listened to my message on the truth about conflict. That's awesome. And, uh, and so some of these, uh, some of these are always going to the Word of God because the Word of God as Christians is our source on all matters of life and has truth to speak into every area of our life. And so we're going to continue that today um, as we discuss the truth about you, the truth about you, the truth about you. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, knowing the truth about you and what the Bible says about you. This is a big one. It's so big, actually, that um, if you study the Bible, um, there's this principle here, and it's called the doctrine of man. There's the doctrine of Jesus, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, doctrine of sin, all these things. One of them is the doctrine of, of man. Matter of fact, when I was in Bible college, this was the one we spent a lot of time on. What does the Bible say about man? What, what, what does it say? And um, it's so important um, that we give ourselves to the study of it. It's important uh, because we can understand scriptures like this better. Mark 12, 31, that says, are you ready? Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's, that's a really hard verse to understand if you don't understand who you are in Christ and you don't have some love going on here, Right? So, and so what happens is, is we project whatever we're walking through on other people. Anybody know that, anybody that projects things? If your hand's not raised, you're probably the one projecting yourself on somebody else, right? Um, and you project, well, here's the thing. Here's what we're to project. We're to project Christ as Christians, as Christ followers. We're not to project our, our problems. We're not to project our trials. We're, not to, we're to project Jesus Christ to the world that so desperately needs him. But if we don't understand the truth about us, man, you can't live out verses like this. And so it's a very important topic for us today. If you do not understand the truth about who you are and what the Bible says, then you eventually become what you do or you become the trials you faced. I want to say that again. If you don't understand the truth about who you are and who the Bible says you are, then what happens oftentimes is we become what we do, or we become the trials and things we face. Let me, let me just explain that a little bit, and we're going to get into a couple, couple passages here. Um, there's actually something out there called retirement depression. Retirement depression. And the reason it exists is because people give themselves 30, 35, 40, 45 years to, to something, and they're working in that so much that their identity is now wrapped up in what they do. And when they retire and that's gone, they no longer know who they are. And so they go through these, these moments of depression. They go through these, these moments of trying to figure out, wait, wait, who am I? Uh, they lose their identity in that. And so rather than knowing who they are, they become what they, what they do. I've actually seen this with athletes before. Um, I was a college athlete and I experienced it at a, at, at a little bit of a level. And I've seen it where, where people will grow up in a sport. Maybe they start when they're seven, eight, nine. You know, they go and then they play in high school and they become really good. And then they go into college and they're playing college and they even select the school um, that they're going to go to based on the sport that they're in. And then all of a sudden they finish, you know, uh, college and all of a sudden they're, they're, they find themselves in moments of depression, anxiety, not even knowing who they are anymore. We experience this. In life. This, this actually happens all the time. Um, with, um, with couples. 
um, couples raising children. And they, they raise their children and they find their identity so much as a mom or a dad and everything's wrapped into raising these children, which yeah, to a certain level obviously is a good thing. You want to raise your children up on the way they should go. When they get older, they won't depart from the truth, right? But, but if, if, if their sole identity is found in raising these children, all of a sudden the children leave the house and they don't even know who they are anymore. They've, they've lost themselves in this. They don't know who who they are, but it's not just things you do. I've seen people discover their identity in, in, in crises they walk through, things they deal with. Um, and all of a sudden now they, they, they take on a victim's mentality and, and I, I'm a victim to all of my circumstances and they live their life this way. Or maybe it's something a little simpler. Uh, maybe, have you ever failed in anything before? Only a few of you, okay, the rest of you are Jesus, all right. You know, and you fail at something, and then maybe you fail again. All of a sudden, now you become a failure. Whether it's you taking on that, you know, and, and saying, man, I just, I'm such a failure. And you begin to speak that over your life, or, or maybe it's somebody else that has watched, watched your life, and they're like, oh, man, you're a failure. Those are fun words to hear, aren't they? And so all of a sudden, now you begin to take on this identity of I'm a, I'm a failure, and all of a sudden what happens is you begin to fill up more things because your identity is your uh, failure. We've got to know who we are because here's, here's, here's the thing. Something we need to understand, and it's come up time and time again in our, our message on truth, is something can be true without being the truth. Right? So you, you can fail at something but not be a failure. Right? Like, I, the truth, the, there's truth, it's true, I failed. But the truth is, although a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up and he gets going again. Right, that's the truth. Um, I get a diagnosis from the doctor, and the diagnosis is true. I have this disease, or I have this thing I'm facing, but the truth is that he's Jehovah Rapha, my healer and my health. So something can be true without being truth, but here's the problem. If we don't understand that as Christians, as those that are doing our best to follow Jesus, here's what happens, is we read the verse um, that in John 8, 31 to 32 that says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But what happens is, is we begin to look at what's true and say, well, I know this and this is what's happened and this is, you know, and so we buy into that and think, well, why am I still in bondage? Because that's true. Yes, that's true, but that's not the truth. We need to speak the truth of God's word over everything in our life in order to find freedom. Are you with me today? And so we need to know who we need to know who we are. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 2:10 and hold your finger there and then go to 1 Peter 2:9, Ephesians 2:10 and 1 Peter 2:9. We, we, we must understand who we are, the truth about who we are, the truth about you. And uh, I was, as I was studying, I was going through hundreds of verses that, that make declarations about who we are. Hundreds. I mean, I could sit here and just read hundreds of them. Um, ones like this, that you're the head and not the tail. That's a great one, right? Um, you're a child of God. I like, I like that one. I want to be a child of God. How about this one? You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's powerful, right? Uh, you're a part of a many-member body, the church. That you're a part of something great. We could read through all of these you are passages, but 
what I want to do today is I want to take you just two of my favorites. One of them is, is really the, the hallmark passage or scripture for our church. And, uh, and then the other one is one that's been, the other one is actually um, the, the verse that I preached my very first sermon out of ever um, to a, a youth ministry when I was like, I don't know, like 19 years old or something. And these two verses have just been like bedrocks for me. Like I just go back to these. And I want to share them with you today and, and share a few things around them. Can we do that? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Translation. And it says, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. We are. We, together, collectively, we are. Um, not just you by yourself, but we are God's masterpiece. Say, say, say this, say, we are God's masterpiece. Yeah, the church. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This is, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And the main idea around here is uh, Christ's sacrifice, the grace of God, finding salvation through him and him alone. And in that, he says, you got to know something. You're God's masterpiece. You've been created anew in Christ Jesus. For a purpose. First Peter 2.9. Uh, Peter um, is writing uh, to the church in Asia Minor. And uh, the church in Asia Minor is going through a, a very difficult time. Um, they're facing a lot of, uh, a lot of just pushback. Um, so severe is it that, that people in the area, if you're a Christ follower, won't even do trade with you. And uh, that was the only way you survived back then. And they wouldn't even do trade with you. And so they're cutting off trade with anyone that is a Christian. And, uh, and so this is going back to the very livelihood. And so they find themselves in a desperate situation. It doesn't look good. And, uh, and so Peter sends a message to them. And in 1 Peter 2.9, it says this. It says, but you are not like that. Not like what? You're not like those that disobey God and, and live for themselves and cut people off and treat them badly. You're, you're not like the rest of the world. It says, but you're not like that. For you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Not a powerful, I love the way one translation reads. It says, it says, here's why you're chosen, so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous Light, You are the truth about you, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that in the next few moments that, uh, Lord, you'd help me bring these two uh, verses to light. That, God, we would learn from these today as we dive in. And, God, you'd speak to us. And, God, we would walk out of here knowing the truth about who you created us to be and who we are in you. God, I pray you'd help me now um, create an environment for people to discover your son Jesus, know your amazing love, and realize the incredible plan you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I, I have two beautiful daughters. And, um, and you, you'll probably relate to this on some level, even if you don't have your own family yet. Maybe you're not married. You know, you don't have kids. You'll relate to this on some level because... Um, you've either seen it happen or maybe you were the little kid that did it. 
Um, but uh, when they were younger, uh, when they would come home from school or they would come home maybe from uh, a wonderful children's ministry like we have here, and they would, bring me, they would bring me their masterpiece. They would bring me their work of art. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? Any parents, or maybe you were that kid, right? You can remember back, and they would come up, and it would just be, whether it be a coloring sheet or whether it be a blank sheet, and they just created their own picture, and they would come up with just such, such joy and such excitement and such pride and present their artwork to me, and I would grab that. I always, I always loved it. Matter of fact, um, my wife, I can throw under the bus because she's actually teaching the kids right now. Um, my wife is a bit of a pack rat, and if you come over to our house, we probably have like eight boxes full of just like those masterpieces that we just can't part with. And, um, and so I remember one of the times they came and they, they gave it to me, and, and I, you learn something very quick, uh, quickly as a parent, is you never, you never you, 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 this is what you say. You say, can you tell me about your picture? Yes. Yeah, you know why you say that? Because I made the mistake one time. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such a beautiful picture. I love the cow you created. And then all of a sudden, a little tear comes down. They're like, Daddy, that's a picture of you. And I'm like, oh, better hit the gym, I guess. <laughs> Any parents out there know what I'm talking about? Like, you've made that mistake. Oh, my gosh, that's a beautiful cat. And they're like, it's not a cat. It's a picture of Jesus on the cross, you know. <laughs> okay, come back, Holy Spirit. Um, but they present this to you, and I'll be honest, as, as, as a parent, man, to me, it's a work of art. And, and so as parents, what do we do with our works of art? We take them to the best place ever, to the refrigerator. Come on, somebody. And we get the little magnets, and we click, 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 and it's right there. And everybody that comes in gets to see this beautiful masterpiece, you know? Someone comes over, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, who drew that cow? And I'm like, no, it's a picture of me, all right? <laughs> Leave it alone. Don't say that around my daughter, all right? They see this, this masterpiece because it's a, it's a masterpiece to me. It might look like a lot of scribbling to somebody else, but to me, her dad, it's a masterpiece. And when Paul is penning Ephesians 2.10, I feel like he's kind of catching the heart of God a little bit here. And, and, and this is not what he's saying. He's not saying your life is so amazing and so put together and so well thought out and so awesome and there's nothing out of place that it's a masterpiece. Listen to what it says. It says you are God's masterpiece. And here's why you're God's masterpiece. The very next verse. Created anew in Christ Jesus. Meaning that when he looks down at your life, he's not, he's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for every piece connected. He's not looking for everything just to be like, oh, man, it's so seamless. No, he looks through the filter of the cross. And because of the work of the cross of Jesus, he sees your life and he's like, that's my masterpiece. It's not because we're perfect. It's not because we have it all together. But we are God's masterpiece. So you know what? The rest of the world looks into, a, a, into the church and doesn't get it because they see, man, those people are a wreck. We are. We are. But we're God's masterpiece because we've come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. So let me just share with you a few thoughts around, around these verses today and hopefully it'll help you understand who you are. The first one I see is this, is... Um, 
You know, when it talks about a masterpiece, it made me think of this. We're, we're a work in progress. We're a work in progress, right? Like, like it's, not, it's not altogether perfect yet, but we're a work in progress, which tells me this, that everything that's happened in my life, when it comes under the cross of Jesus, is redeemed for a purpose. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Now that the Bible says that he works all things together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He works all things. It doesn't say, you know, the verse doesn't say, hey, you know what? God takes all of the good things in your life, pulls them out, and, and then gets rid of everything else. And he just takes the good things in your life and, and he works it together for good. No, it says he, he takes, he works all things. All things together. So, so, so the circumstance that you're going through right now, that doesn't make sense. The thing you walked through last week, that, that brought some pain. The thing that you faced last year that, that challenged you a bit. The thing that you might face tomorrow. All of those things he brings together and he works them into a masterpiece. I don't know how he does it. I'm not the master. I'm just glad he does it. So every stroke in your life, every difficult time you face, every failed friendship, every job that you've lost, every mountaintop experience and success you've had, it's just one stroke in the masterpiece. The problem is, is that too often times we are looking at the, the picture here. So we just see the one stroke. If, if you're to go to an art gallery, they actually have viewing areas for the art gallery. And they have like maybe little benches, places you stand, so that you can see the whole thing there. Because if you get up really close and you just see one little mark, it doesn't look like much. And you know the same thing is true in your life? Some of you are so focused on one event, one failed relationship, one bad this, one bad that, and you're, you're, you're so focused, you're looking at it so close that that's all you see. But if you would step back and trust God that you're a work in progress and look at all the strokes and all the highs, the lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the colors, you step back, you say, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty good. See, your, your work, your work in progress. And here's the thing, it, do, it doesn't end until Jesus returns. It doesn't end until Jesus returns. Some of us think, you know, oh, when I hit 18. <sighs> okay, this is big. All teenagers think. <laughs> when I graduate from high school, life will be perfect. When I get out of college, when I finally meet the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with, when I get the job, the perfect career, the amount of money, the car, the house, the church, the right pastor, the right small group, right? Whatever it might be, only to realize that all of those are just strokes. 
we think, we think, we think we're going to get there if we get this, only to realize, no, man, God ain't finished. God ain't finished. Uh, my wife and I had uh, the privilege of celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary last uh, summer in Spain. Uh, if you've never been to Spain, you got to go. Um, and uh, we went to Barcelona, and one of the places we went to uh, was the Familia de Sagrada. Anybody ever heard of it? Okay. Uh, I'd never heard of it until Evelyn told us about it and said, you got to go. I'm like, it's a cathedral. Okay. It ain't just a cathedral. This thing's been under construction since 1892. Like, the construction hasn't stopped. And it's just like things, and they're, and they're following this blueprint for over 100 years. Just piecing things and putting it, and it's, it's mind-blowing. You know what? That's the way your life is. In God's hands. The work doesn't stop. He just keeps going. Keeps chiseling a little bit here, chiseling a little bit there. And he's creating a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. I love how he takes every, every honestly. Um, and some of you don't believe this yet, but it's true. He, t- he takes every area of our life when our life is surrendered to him and he can redeem it. He can redeem it. Doesn't matter what it is. He can redeem it. Um, we're his masterpiece. We're his masterpiece. And um, I love what it says. It says we're created anew in Christ Jesus. Um, which tells me this. You, you can't be the masterpiece and you can't be created anew without being in Christ Jesus. And, and here's what I learned a long time ago. is We, we discover who we are in the safety of who he is. We discover who we are in the safety net of who Jesus is. I was just thinking, um, you know, there's a story in, in, uh, in the Gospels. Uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 16. A um, story in the Gospels where Jesus is walking with his disciples and um, comes to this certain place where there's all these idols and, and different things in this, in this hillside, in this cliff. And he uses that as an opportunity to ask his disciples. And he says, hey, um, who do people say that I am? Oh, yeah, well, some say you're, you know, this prophet or that prophet. Some say you're this and some say you're that. He's like, okay. And then he he directs it at him. He goes, but who do you say that I am? And uh, and Peter, the one that's that's penning um, this next verse we're going to read, says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, well done, Peter. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father who is in heaven and at the time, he, he, had, he, had, he had a different, different name. And uh, he renames him from Simon to Peter. And in, in this, Simon meaning this, this, this reed that would blow in the wind, and Peter meaning this rock. All of a sudden, Peter, as he identifies who Jesus is, Jesus turned around and identifies who Peter is. In other words, the closer we grow in Jesus... And continue to find out and discover who he is. In turn, he reflects himself back on us and shows us who we are. We discover who we are in the safety of who he is. We're a work in progress. The next one I see here in Ephesians uh, 2 is uh, we're to work together. Be together. Function together. 
Notice it doesn't say you are by yourself, individually, a masterpiece. It says we are God's masterpiece. We are collectively the church, the body of Christ. And so, yes, I mean, think about how, how intricate this masterpiece is. There's the whole part about you, every stroke, every color, every line, everything, and, and you step back, wow. But then you take another step back, and all of a sudden you see the church. You say, oh, wow, I, 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 thought, I thought that was pretty, but all of a sudden I step back and I see, man, we are collectively together the masterpiece connected with one another. That's why it's so important that, 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 that we prioritize this right here. That's why it's so important that we prioritize, hey, coming together. If not, you're just a brush stroke off by yourself. And you're wondering, man, why does, why do I feel like I don't have significance? Why do I feel like I'm not a part of something? Why do I feel like, because you're not. But all of a sudden we get together. It's like, oh, man, my life, my life makes more sense now when I'm connected to the church. What I walk through over here, oh, I get it now because my testimony is going to help impact this person over here. Oh, I, 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 oh, you're walking through what? I, I walked through that last year. Here's what God did for me. Y'all with me this morning? We are collectively together. We are. God's masterpiece. The church is. When we come together, there's so much power in it. There's so much beauty in it. There's so much significance in it. There's so much depth. There's so much texture. There's so much, there's so much growth. We are together. I, I, I love what 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about us being a many-membered body. Do you know that, that my hand can't function unless it's connected to my arm? My arm can't really do a whole lot unless it's connected to the body. We got, we got to be connected. We got to be in, in, in relationship. We got to be in, in fellowship. We got, to be, we got to be doing this thing together because together we're his, his masterpiece. And when we come together, there's encouragement. When we come together, there's celebration. I mean, how much more fun is it when you get the job promotion and you pick up the phone and you can call somebody and say, hey, yo, I just got promoted. I mean, there's nothing worse than just sitting in a room like, I got promoted. Who am I going to share that with? And you pick up the phone, you're like, hey, send out mass text, I just got promoted. And then people are like, yeah, celebrating with you. Let's go celebrate. You got promoted. You take me to dinner, you know. <laughs> or, hey, I just lost my job. How bad is that when you're sitting in a room by yourself and you just lost your job? what am I going to do? But all of a sudden you call somebody like, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to get some more people praying for you. And not only that, I just talked to so-and-so who owns a business in the church and they're hiring. And you just want to sit off in your room. And... We're better together. Man, there's encouragement together. There's strength together. There's, there's correction together. There's challenging one another. There's growth together. And all of a sudden, man, that picture looks more and more. We are God's masterpiece. We are to work together. The next one here I, I recognize this is we're created for a purpose. We're created for a purpose. 
You're God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things that he prepared for you long ago. Oh, there's, there's, there's a function for me. There's a purpose for me. There's something I get to be a part of. There's something I get, I get to do. But notice this, knowing who you are precedes what you do. Because now, man, everything makes sense. It doesn't matter what my career is because what he wants me to do is do the good things he prepared for me long ago. It doesn't matter where I go to college. It doesn't matter what the job is. It doesn't matter any of those things. All that matters is, is am I doing the good things that he prepared for me long ago? What are the good things? The good things are the works of Jesus. That's why, that's why we're in scripture. What did Jesus do? That's, that's the good works. That's, that's the good things he prepared for us long ago is the works of Jesus. John 14, 12 says this. I says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father. Wait, what are we to do? The works that Jesus did on steroids. Now, don't go home and be like, pastor said I could take steroids. I'm going to the gym. Not what I said. greater works than these. So we need to be in here. And what were the works of Jesus? Now, the greatest work of Jesus was salvation. Oh, we get to save people? No, we get to tell people our story and our testimony, which points people to Jesus, which then they'll get saved. Greater works. Greater works. We're his masterpiece. Created new in him so that we could do I love what 1 Peter 2.9 says. Worship team, you can come. 1 Peter 2.9, um, again, written to believers and converts in a very challenging time. I mean, a difficult season. Uh, they're uncertain, literally. I want, I want you to catch this. They're uncertain on whether they're even going to survive. Like, they're, they're, they're debating, do we pack it up and move because it's gotten so bad. And I love what, love what Peter does. Peter doesn't write him and say, suck it up, guys. Peter, um, he doesn't even actually really address the issue they brought. What he does is he reminds them of who they are. So he says, church, I need you to know something. I need you to know that you're chosen. You're chosen. You're, you're a royal priest at a holy nation, God's very own possession. This is who you are. You're chosen. You're chosen. I love the word chosen. Because the word means this, it means to be picked out from amongst a, a larger group for special purpose and privilege. So anybody who surrenders their heart to Jesus and comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ, he's like, boom, I got a purpose and a plan for you. I got privileges for you. Man, I got good stuff in store for you. You're chosen. And I love it because here's the thing. When you know that you're chosen, let's be honest, you live, you live differently. You walk differently. I mean, when you've been picked out, it, it, it reminds me of, of, of when, when you're little and you're on the playground. And you have, you have recess. Does anybody remember those days? Man, don't you think they should bring that to the job place? 
Like, hey boss, I think it's recess time. Can we play like kickball or foursquare or something? Just to... And you go out at recess, right? And, and everyone's out there and you're gonna play a game, whether it's kickball or football or something. What's the very first thing you gotta do? You gotta pick the teams. Have you ever noticed the kid that gets picked first, how he walks? You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. I mean, the kid that gets picked first, he does, he's not like, the kid that gets picked first is like, yeah, what up, Jenna? And then they're whispering to the captain, like, oh, we should pick so-and-so. Man, fifth grade was brutal, wasn't it? They walk different. They walk with purpose. They walk with like, And then, and then as it goes down the line, I mean, the second kid, he's not too bad. But by the time that fourth kid, or remember being the, maybe some of you were the last kid. Yeah, I'll take Janice. I saw her hand go up, so I was like, I'll take Janice. How do they walk? Oh yeah, they picked me last because I got a bum leg, you know, so it's, it's all good. Yeah, I, w I was thinking about not even playing today, and they, they know, they know what I'm going through. So I would, maybe I'll just sit over here because I'm, I'm, I'm fighting something in my ankle. It's all good. But that first one, it's like, man, gives you a sense of security, doesn't it? You're not like them. I chose you. I got a plan for you. I got a purpose for you. I got a destiny for you. So we walk out differently, not because of arrogance, not because of pride, but because we know who chose us. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the great I am. He's the good shepherd. And although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have security because he's my shepherd. And I know who my shepherd is. So I fear no evil. His rod and his staff they comfort me. He's going to take me to green pastures. He's going to take me to still waters. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. You're not like, you're not like that. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You, you, you are not what you do. You are not a victim. You are not a product of your circumstances. You are not a victim. You are God's masterpiece. You're chosen. You got purpose. So we can proclaim the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness into his marvelous Light, but before you can do that, and the reason you aren't doing that is because you forgot who you are. You forgot that you're you're the intricate lines, multiple colors hanging on a refrigerator, 
forgot. And he looked down in the midst of your pain and said, I got you. But when you remember that you're his masterpiece and you remember that you're chosen, now you have purpose. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Do me a favor, just stand to your feet. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, your word is powerful. God, your word is relevant. God, a word that was written thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago. A word that has literally been passed down from generation to generation. God, a word that has been tried to have been taken out by kings and kingdoms. A word that was given to, to, to people you entrusted it, that they penned it. That word still remains the same today. And God, it's that word that we need to get into our spirit as Christians, as Christ followers, because we walk different. We walk with some security. We walk with some assurance. We walk with some purpose. And so Lord, I pray right now for every person in this place that has, has, has been, been under that, 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 that heaviness of, of, of I, I've just become what I do. I've just become a victim to my circumstances. I'm, I'm a failure, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. I pray that today, that God, you would come and you would be the glory and the lifter up of our head, the head of the church. And we'd be reminded in this moment that we have a purpose because we know who we are and we know whose we are. That God, we walk out of here today knowing that we're a masterpiece and knowing God, that we're chosen with every eye closed, every head bowed, you're here today and you're struggling with the sense of purpose. It's because you've been struggling with who you are. You've been struggling with a, with, with, with a sense of, uh, of purpose. It's because you forgot about the identity. You forgot about who you are and whose you are. And, and today, the grace of God wants to come and pick you up and lift you up and remind you that, man, he's, he's your daddy. And you're a child of the king. And you've been picked and chosen for such a time as this. And man, you're called and you're a masterpiece. Stop looking at the one line that didn't work out. Stop looking at the one relationship that failed. Stop looking at the one ministry that didn't come together. Stop looking at the one career path that didn't come together. And take a step back and realize that you're a part of something bigger. And you're here and you'd say, Pastor, I'm struggling with that today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if that is you, would you just shoot your hand in the, in the air and say, that's me, Pastor. Could you pray for me? That's me, Pastor. Could you pray for me? That's me. Could you pray for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is what I want to do. I want to invite our pastors and small group leaders up right now. Come quickly, pastors, small group leaders, prayer team, come on up. And uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for you. And if you were one that raised their hand saying, man, man, that's me. Listen to me. There's no shame. There's no shame. There's just freedom. You've been listening to what's true for far too long. Now it's time to step into the truth. It's time to step into the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free, and the truth will set you free. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, you can either start to make your walk at that moment, or you can wait till I'm done. But do not leave this place until someone has a chance to pray for you and come on, expose you to the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. God, I pray right now that freedom would come. Lord God, that, that, that freedom would come, that people be set free today. God, by your grace and by your power and by the truth of your word. I pray for those, Lord God, that have been living, Lord God, under a lie. Lord God, they've been living their life like this is who I am because this is what I do or this is who I am because 
This is what I faced. God, I pray, Lord God, they would step back today and see that they are a child of you. They are a masterpiece. They're chosen. And they would find freedom in this moment. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you raised your hand and you need prayer, come on, there are like seven or eight of you. Don't let this moment pass you by. We got some prayer team up here. We want to pray for you.